Welcome to Miami Nice. I'm your host, Welcome to Miami Nice. <laughs> this is my co-host Katie Walsh and we're drinking. What are you drinking today, Katie? I'm drinking a mojito. I have ice this time, thankfully. Um, and a lot of strawberry. I have like a whole bush in here. I, I've gone slightly crazy. I've gone a dirty mojito this time around. Ooh, is that with the spiced rum? It's with a spiced rum. And in Oz, I've seen them done with ginger beer. So you don't actually have to put the sugar syrup. So guys, if you're watching uh, right now, you're going to be seeing this as a video. You're going to be seeing Katie assemble her awesome mojito and use a you know simple syrup and all the all the right ingredients. And then on my video, you'll see that it's just like go crazy with the lime and the mint, ice cubes, spiced rum, and then ginger ale. But it is very delicious. They simply go down too well. Like they go down, <laughs> yeah. they go down so well for this podcast. It's unbelievable. I might need six. Probably time we're done this episode. Katie, would you like um, to tell the folks who are watching or listening what this week's Miami Nice is all about? I, I am thrilled about this week's topic because this is something that you and I have been talking about from like the very beginning of talking about this podcast, and that is the accents. Oh, yeah. The very best, craziest accents of this movie. There are a lot. And I want to celebrate them. I want to, um, <laughs> I want to deride them. I want to just delight in all of their craziness and and uh, try to understand them fundamentally. It might be on the Mount Rushmore of accent movies, uh, <laughs> like starting down from the top down. I don't know what could be better um, than this movie with Gong Li speaking phonetic Cuban English with Colin Farrell's. Colin Farrell, who's like, does an American accent great. Like, ever since, he's, yeah, ever he's since he turned up, he does really good American accents. Um, but the two signature accents of the movie really are John Ortiz and Eddie Marsden. Uh, they are just absolutely outstanding. Uh, Jose Yero could have one of the greatest accents of all time. And John Ortiz, like, bounces around through Michael Mann movies all the time after this. Like... His run from 2006 is kind of crazy, but he stars in Public Enemies much later as well. Um, and he's in Black Hat, you know, so he's in like the, the Michael Mann, like new wave trilogy. <laughs> he's like in all of those movies. Um, Michael Mann then, discovered John Ortiz and was like, I'm, I love this guy. I'm putting him in everything. He's going in everything. From now on, everything that I'm doing, this guy can do anything because he's like tough. And then Eddie Marzen's Nicholas, which we talked about. I wasn't familiar with Eddie Marzen at the time of seeing Miami Vice. So I actually didn't know he was a Brit, but then around this time, the new world, the illusionist, FIFA Vendetta. Um, I think you said happy go lucky was the first movie you were a fan of his as well. Like it's a crazy run of movies that come out and you're like, hold on, where the hell is like the accent is on point, but like where the hell did this guy actually come from? Where did he come from? Oh, absolutely. From? Like he emerged fully formed in his <laughs> Eddie Marzenis way. And I love him. He's absolutely one of my favorite character actors. And every time he shows up, I'm happy to see him. Although <laughs> when I when he shows up in this, I'm just like, buddy. <laughs> I love him. Like, can we talk like, a, can we talk about his outfit? Can we talk about <laughs> <laughs> is, it like, is it like a Henley? Is it like a Henley? <laughs> It could be like a Hanley shirt, but it's it's all white. It, it's like he's at a it's like he's at a yoga retreat. Like I don't understand why he's in this outfit. He's living the Miami lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> he's 
daddy's white party. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's getting into that, the linen, the linen it's life. All, it's all linen all the time for Nicholas in his amazing apartment in the downtime Miami. But like when I saw this and I think I, I correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's in the director's commentary, but like when Eddie Marsden came to read for Michael Mann for this movie, like they'd already had this like, strange Cajun I guess they'd said that that's the kind of guy that they wanted to and so Eddie Marsden walks in with this Cajun accent as a Brit walks in and Michael Mann like admits he's like I didn't actually even know that he wasn't Cajun I just thought he had a really (laughs) unique accent and so like he comes in and just crushes and you're like that's not Cajun like it's surely not but whatever it is I like it like it's not Cajun like let's just be really clear it's not Cajun on the director's commentary, Michael Mann says he's doing a New Orleans accent. And I'm like, buddy, my man, my man. <laughs> Speaking uh, of someone from the Virgin Islands, I have a little <laughs> bit of authority about accents. But I'm also, I'm also like, uh, that foghorn leghorn sounding motherfucker is not doing <laughs> a anywhere close to like authentic regional accent. I mean, there's like, it reminds me of, there was a, a sketch on SNL that Dan, when Daniel Craig hosted a couple months ago and Beck Bennett does this dialect coach, uh, yes. Southern accent for Daniel Craig. <laughs> I've seen this clip. I've seen this clip. It's good. And he's just doing the most horrible backwoods, like Appalachian stereotype. Okay. And I'm like, did Eddie hire him for his accent? Because it's so like, I mean, he sounds like Foghorn Leghorn, the chicken, the red chicken from Looney Tunes, what? right? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? Like, I yes. you know how you have a line that you say when you're trying to get in the headspace of like, all right, I, I think I can do this person's accent. That is my Nicholas Eddie Marsden. Like, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? What's happening to me? And it sounds like you are a drunk mum who's been drinking all day at home in linen. In in linen, white linen pants. I know. And then I love the just like small detail where Dominic Lombardozzi, my, my number one crush of this movie, is like, oh, we're going to have yeah. to clean up your apartment. Like, clean up your apartment. <laughs> like, oh, it's a fun Dominic- little character detail. <laughs> Dominic Lombardozzi has never cleaned an apartment in his life. Let's be super <laughs> no. clear right now. Let's be super clear right now. That 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 is a that is a character B that belonged with someone else. But it was not. It's a nice bit of an incongruous character. Like this, there's no way this guy is super neat at home. Like he looks too like. It's funny. It's fun to think about, but it's like there's no way. There's no way. He's not this guy right now. <laughs> I know. It, yeah. What's his character's name? Like. Swincy or I don't know something crazy. Switech, Swite, Switech. Yes. Yeah. And it's just so it's like Eddie Marsden isn't in the film that long, but he leaves such an impression. Like you can't forget. The same with John Hawks. The same with a lot of these people who have really small roles. You're just like, oh, I can't, I can't stop thinking about you know Eddie Marsden's role. He's in the movie for like five minutes. And and. It's so, it's such a funny one because he gets 10 seconds like walking around his apartment on this phone call. Pretty good. You like doing this thing, walking around the apartment and they then go there. Like the whole team just like, you know, swarms his apartment and like all talking and harassing him and doing all that sort of thing. But what's so cool is like, I actually, 
the scene that kind of hangs with me a bit is maybe it's because the whole mood of the scene is so different. Cause like you see him, it's bright. It's morning. He doesn't care. He's carefree. You see him in the apartment. He's kind of like, why has this happened to me? It's like a big fun like thing. Like Jamie Foxx is just amazing in that scene. And so is Colin Farrell. They're both great. Um, and Amy Harris is Trudy. She's like badass in that scene too. But then in that secondary scene, it's this weird like shrine like scene, like the lighting super low. He talks really slowly and deliberately and he's like, you're going to get this message and that will tell you when you need to go. Chapter closed. And it's such a like, it's a bit more haunting because he's like, he's not doing the big like, wow, let's go. Yeah. Like he's, he's keeping it super real and keeping it really tight. And that's actually a scene that like haunts me a bit in this movie. Like I laugh, I laugh all the time about his linen. I laugh about them watching Marlin highlights on his giant TV. I laugh about the way he says, why is this happening to me? And Jamie Foxx is like slapping next to his ear. But I, I really do think that like, maybe that's like, all right, cool. I've got three scenes. And I'm going to do three different things. And then the third one, like I could be almost a different character. Cause that real quiet, sure, like right. deliberate guy doesn't seem like the guy we saw in the previous scene. Yeah, you, you start to take him seriously as someone who actually is in this world and yes. um, has a, an authentic connection to these people and, and takes it super seriously. Like he's like, that's Jose Yero. Like you don't want to mess mm. with him. And, and um, you know, he, he, you start to be like, oh, like it lands, the gravity of the situation like lands um, in that scene. And you, you, I think it kind of does work to have it be such a wild dichotomy to be like, oh, hilarious. And then be like, oh, wait, no, like this is deadly serious. I also love in the first scene that Trudy is kind of like the bad cop and she's just like sitting back there like this and she's like just clowning on him and yelling at him and stuff. Like they let her be like kind of the heavy. Yeah, she's totally, she's totally totally the heavy. Like because Jamie Foxx is like reading a magazine you know, Colin Farrell's staring out the window. You get like Justin Theroux just like playing with the TV. Um, and then there's that like, so Naomi Harris playing Trudy. She's like, they're just like slouching, just like totally cool. And then like Elizabeth Rodriguez um, yeah. is there just, and, and her character's name, folks, Gina Calabresi, like detective, mm. she's a detective or an officer, Gina. She's like, they're just like, couldn't be more bored. Like she's like done this every day of her whole life. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Like, let's just get yeah. this over and done with like, let's, let's sort this out. It's such a, everyone is totally like, you've got a totally different lane right now. It's like one of our only scenes where all of you are in it together. You need to all mm-hmm. be doing something that is character defining. It's a, it's a cool little scene. Yeah. And, and Dominic is pissed about the, the state of the apartment. So, you know, <laughs> is, is, is the, of the apartment. He's, he's over there wiping down counters, washing glasses, throwing trash away. I mean, he's just like really offended. <laughs> he's like the bartender from The Shining. He's just over there like, yes, exactly. what would you, anyone want to, anyone want to drink? <laughs> It'd be hilarious if that was just like an improv moment. Like he was like, you know what? I really think that this is, I have, I've no doubt that, that it was absolutely written because Michael Mann is such a, like, everything is so tightly controlled, but be hilarious. He was like, I really think this character is upset about how dirty this apartment is. There's another thing in that scene that I love that is like, that's his character. Um, that leads up to the why is this happening to me, which is why I love it so much. It's like that great scene where like Jamie Foxx claps and he does that really rhythmic. That's the sound of the air rapidly collapsing out of your body. 
whatever he says, like he says it in this beautiful, like, like he's singing a rap song and it's such a cool little moment, but he's just, he's batting 10,000 in this moment when he's like, that's Jose Yero. Yeah. Vertically in it. Like his accent. I think we have to unpack that his accent changes at least seven times in that single series of sentence. Like he's they like vertically, vertically integrated. <laughs> Yana. Yana. <laughs> I said, boy. He sounds like fucking Colonel Sanders or something. Like that was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, what is this? Like, he's like, yes, uh, I'm a very serious British actor. Uh, I have to do an American Southern accent. Um, okay. I shall study the greats. I shall study Foghorn Leghorn. I shall study Colonel Sanders. Sanders. <laughs> it's like, it's just so, uh, and Kevin Spacey in that movie, the midnight and the garden of good and evil. Like, it's like, yeah. I want, I want someone doing a really shitty Savannah accent. And that's exactly what I'm going for. I'm going to go for yeah. all those things. And the through line will be there. Maybe he was going like JFK, like New Orleans accent. Cause there's some pretty, there's some clangers in JFK, like New Orleans accents in JFK. Like Kevin yeah. Cross is doing all right, but there's a couple that are around him that are like. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like a New Orleans accent, a Cajun accent is like, it's very specific. It's not just like deep South. It's like, it also has these weird New York elements to it. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to like say something's that specific, you better, you better get those coaches going. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean, well, props. to your point, the hurricane was on. So maybe there was a coach and they were like, I can't make it to Miami. And my Michael right, man's exactly. like, get over here. We're going to blame everything on the hurricane. We're just going to be like, it's the hurricane. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But he just, I mean, but I almost like don't want his accent to be good. Like, I want it to be bad. That's- it would not, you've got to think of like, I think of great, like, amazing performances and i think of like in really tiny nothing characters that are memorable to me and i think of like benicio del toro in the usual suspects is like the quintessential one it's like a character who whose whole function is to just be there and to die like that's it that's like if you just like map it out on paper that's all he's there to do and he comes in and just makes a choice to be like and just like be completely unintelligible and sees past what he needs to do just to be memorable and like actually build a connection with the characters and make them like him. And he just crushes it. And I think this is maybe like Eddie Mars and like leaning into that school of like, if totally. I'm going to, if I'm not, if I'm, if I can't be good, then you, I'm not going to be mediocre. I'm going to be off the wall. Like I'm going to be as crazy yeah. as possible and no one's ever going to forget me. People might be angry, but they're never going to forget me. Totally. Like you, he, you are not going to forget. And, and if this is the, the time period when Eddie Marsden, you know, noted character actor, I'm sure he did tons of stuff before this, but he's like hitting it really hard with Mission yeah. Impossible and, and Mike Lee and all these, you know, um, and what was that? Oh, The Illusionist and like, yeah. you know, all those other ones that, you, like, you know, Terrence Malick. He's like, this is my time to shine. <laughs> I don't know how long and I'm going to be in this game. I have five minutes. I have 10 lines in a, in a Michael Mann movie. And you I'm are gonna... not going to forget that no. I am in this movie. He's not going to forget that I was in this movie. They cannot cut me. I'm going to crush this shit. I'm right. going to knock it out of the park. See, like John Ortiz has got the luxury of like, 
he's like he's the villain like although like archangel jesus de montoya is like the villain like john ortiz is as the kind of as his sort of lieutenant is really the villain of the movie so he gets like he's like a completely different entity because he has so much more to do like so if he's yeah. good or bad or indifferent like he's got more scenes more approaches some soft some hard some mean some like trying to be charming he's got so much more to do whereas like eddie marzen they're like dude you got five minutes here all right yeah. this is your movie to make in five minutes all right yeah, that's exactly. it exactly and then you know he's gonna go give like a the most amazing performance of his life in happy-go-lucky which is like my, <laughs> one of my favorite movies and movie. and break your heart and like leave you on the floor and you're gonna be like wait that guy can do that and it's yeah. amazing. I love actors. Uh, he, he, he's so good. There's another actors. movie. There's, there's another, I love. I love actors. <laughs> We've reached the swig. Swig. We got to just drink. That's a drink. Um, the next thing I saw him in, oh, it was around this time. I've sort of gone back and ended up piecing through a bunch of other things that he was in in this period. But one of the next big notable like he had a chunky performance in his tyrannosaur did you ever see that tyrannosaur it's an exceptionally no. brutal british drama i saw it at sydney film festival oh. it was really it was really small um i think it had olivia coleman in it i'm just gonna like while we're while we're talking here see if i can yeah no i i never saw that but um oh yeah it's got it's got peter peter um mullen in it it does have olivia coleman in it and it's got um it's got eddie marzen in it and it's just it's like this guy who's filled with rage and is, is, is super violent. And it's, it's a short, very punchy movie. It's directed and written by Patty Considine, the actor. Oh um, yeah. 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 And so that was what kind of what drew me to it. And I remember seeing that and I was like, Oh Eddie, this is so brutal. This hurt my, hurt my heart. I'm like, Eddie, please go back to Nicholas. Like, like give me three more movies where you're Nicholas. Like this kind of, I don't know if I can take it anymore going to see these movies where you like rip my heart out and you're like, this I know devastated character who gets like beaten up i can't do that eddie like sort it out please yeah i mean he put the the happy-go-lucky um character is kind of the same just like this guy who's like absolutely filled with rage and you're not really sure why but he's just this, this like tortured soul but you can kind of see why i mean listen you you absolutely know why he he wants to do this role because who wouldn't but like you know it's like he's got to mix it up he's got to have some you know, Nicholas's along with these like absolute gut wrenching performances. Like you can't live in that space for too long. <laughs> I, I like, I've just, this is what is fun about doing podcasts with you is like, I think I just had like a revelation moment. Have you seen the movie? Have you seen the trip? You've seen, have you seen the trip with yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rob Ryden? You've seen mm-hmm. the trip to Italy, which is the sequel. Well, there's actually a couple of sequels now. So yeah, yeah, the sequel. They've got everywhere. I ha- I haven't seen the trip to Italy. Yet, so. <laughs> the trip everywhere is basically what the series is called. Well, um, the trip to Spain. I think they have a Greece one. The Greece one's coming up, and they're all yeah. great. But the trip to Italy is my favorite. In it, Rob Brydon, he's like the the fake Rob Brydon, the movie Rob Brydon, gets a job offer to play an accountant in a Michael Mann movie a fictional Michael Mann movie (laughs) in this universe. And he has Steve like on their trip, like he runs the lines and Steve films him and Mm. directs a little like clip that he's going to send off to a casting director. And I'm like, 
Man, that's a funny bit because like Steve Coogan's so pissed that Rob is getting a chance to be in a Michael Mann movie. So it's like got that great energy and he's like, and, and it gives Steve the opportunity to be like, are you going to do that accent? Cause he's doing a really bad Pacino. But I just maybe think that like, maybe that's one massive inside joke at Eddie Marsden's expense. Cause like they could be his contemporary and yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. oh, you get, you get this job in a Michael Mann movie where you're like an insignificant character for this time you're, who yes. ends up di- dying or whatever. And they're like, no, we're going to take the piss out and we're going to do a bad accent and Michael Mann's going to hire him anyway. And it's like, so I, I just, I'm going to throw that into the universe. That's my theory. A theory. Like, I love it. That is literally coming out of this podcast. Maybe it's because I've had too many sips of this mojito, but I think that it might, I think it might be a commentary on Eddie Marsden's character and just having like a crazy accent and Michael Mann being like, yeah, we're in. We want you in this <laughs> totally. It's never mentioned in any of the other trip movies Listen, that happened again, but it's nice. We respect choices. We respect choices. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way to put it. <laughs> you made choices. me choke with we respect choices. Choices are choices. <laughs> It's, it's certainly a choice. I, I respect choices. Like Bryce Dallas Howard always makes a choice, you know, choices. She does. <laughs> yeah. She does. Uh, and some of, some of them are like the village where she just <laughs> knocks, she like crushes it. And then some of them aren't the village. Are the mom in Bohemian Rhapsody. I've not seen Bohemian Rhapsody, Katie. Oh, wait, I can no, reveal- no, 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 it's a rocket man. Sorry. I was thinking rocket of the other. <laughs> oh, the other British yeah. uh, music yeah. Oscar bait movie. Is that what you're yeah. thinking of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, too bad for Rocket Man. Too bad for Taron Egerton learning how to sing. I like the clips. I like the clips on YouTube of him and Elton singing together, crushing it. The kid can Taryn, sing. Taron can sing. Taron can sing. And that has been well known for a, a long time. Mm. Okay, we're and- getting off. <laughs> No, let's get back to accents. So I think we've covered Eddie. We've done like Eddie yeah, we, we and really Nicholas. Dived into Eddie. Eddie yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to come back to this scene. I think we have to come back to this scene. This scene has a lot going a lot on, of especially for, for supporting characters, a lot of accents, a lot of crazy stuff. But I think, you know, our favorite accents of this, and I think Gong Lee needs her own episode. We may not even get to Gong Lee today, but I think we have to get to John Ortiz. Yes. Because we love, him. we love his accent. I, I love John Ortiz. I have like, I, I, ever since the show Togetherness on HBO, the Mark Duplass show, I just like have been in love with John Ortiz. I think he's the best. Um, and he's, he's so good in this. He's so good. And he pops up in movies and you're like, oh, thank God. Like he's in, he, you just know that he's going to do something good. Like he's in, like the, the strange ones are, so he's actually in Fast and Furious. Like he plays a guy called Campos. He's in, he, he comes back as another character in the Fast and Furious universe called Braga. Oh my God. That might be he's like allowed to do that. <laughs> he's in, he's in a few episodes of the luck TV series, which is the David Milch, Michael Mann, Dustin Hoffman right. series that ended up getting canceled. Um, he's in silver linings playbook. He's in the drop, which I love. He's in Steve jobs. Um, he's in a stack. He's in a stack of things, and even up to something like Kong Skull Island, like a little movie. He's gonna, he's gonna completely crush it. But I don't think anyone has given him as much to do, or as much meat on a roll as Michael Mann gives him as Jose Euro. Because like Jose, he's like, he's got a million things to do in this movie. Yeah, and you can tell that Michael Mann just like 
respects him and thinks he's fantastic. And I think uh, like John Ortiz started a theater company with Philip Seymour Hoffman in New York in the eighties. And so he's like a legit actor and, and, and I don't know how Michael Mann found him, but he is um, just a fantastic, like, like he shows up, he's like a, he always shows up as like <clears throat> kind of, um, you know, like a politician or like a military guy or like some kind of like management guy. And you're just like, oh, thank God he's here. Like, yeah. Well, and, and, and you know that he's going to give like, so another Michael Mann movie he does a couple of years later, he does um, uh, public enemies and mm-hmm. it's a really great scene because it's a scene where John Dillinger is played by Johnny Depp goes in and visits this guy played by John Ortiz called Phil D'Andrea. And mm-hmm. He walks into this room where Phil D'Andrea is like, hey, you might rob banks, but we make more money out of gambling, uh, out of organizing illegal gambling in the United States than you make. Like, we make daily what you make in any of your bank robberies and we make it 365 days a year. And right. so he's kind of like, he's almost like a signpost of like, you're, you're, you're old, like you're obsolete yeah. now, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> and it could be such a, like a shitty scene, but he kind of gives it with this like matter of fact, like it is what it is, man. Like this is this is life. You better like figure out what you're gonna keep doing because all this bank robbing shit's not gonna keep. It's not gonna fly for much longer. And he kind of completely crushes it. But as Jose, Jose could be like a bookish weirdo. But what's so cool is I like to always look at him, and I look at Colin Farrell's Crockett, and they're like, you can tell that Jose wants to be like Colin Farrell. Like he's like his hair's yeah. almost like him. He tries the charm with the ladies. He's just not as like fit and good looking. Not at, like he is crazy. Like he's a lunatic because he wants to show that he's more powerful than other people, but he's not, he hasn't got the, you know, like you get your tan in Miami. Like he hasn't got that. He hasn't right. got that at all. And he wants to do that. And so I love watching those two together. And I just love watching him in this as the offsider who's been trying to charm Isabella for a long time and with no success and then needs to backstab. I love him as the guy who's like, I'm one step ahead of you, but then you've got Jamie Foxx who's like actually on it as Tubbs and being like, I need vectors, I need this, I need that, I need this information and keeping him honest. It's so, it's such a fun like two on one challenge with those two versus Jose. And I, I just love him. Like I love everything he's doing outside of the accent. Cause I think so much of what he's doing that's actually amazing. is like the interactions that he doesn't say a thing where he's just like is looking at you. Like he knows that you're up to something no good, but he can't yeah. figure it out yet. Yeah, I think what, like every time I see John Ortiz, I, I feel like there's, he brings a sense of decency to a lot of yes. his characters. Yes. Um, I think with Jose, he, there's like, just like simmering danger and mm. threat the entire time, which shows, you know, his ability to do that and, and his ability to um, be, you know, at once sort of, you know, like you can kind of tell, okay, here's this guy who's like worked up his way through the organization. He's maybe a nerd. He's maybe like yeah. an accountant who's now like the second in command or whatever. And um, yeah, he's like, not that cool, <laughs> but he no. wants to be cool. I mean, you know, his, you get your tan in Miami is like what, what he's like, yeah, I like discotheque. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah, I, I love discotheque. I love like, disco. I love disco. I'm a big disco guy. Disco guy, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, just like the mo- 
sorry to like tangent this, but the song that is playing when he <laughs> declares that he loves disco is Pennies in My Pocket, <laughs> which was written by Emilio Estefan and is clearly performed by Emilio Estefan and, and other character, uh, musicians. That song was <laughs> Mandy Moore's single in 2001 to like signify that she was like different and cool like after doing Candy. And so that song is playing. It's obviously not the Mandy Moore version, but I'm just like, all I'm thinking is like, Mandy Moore, Mandy Moore, Mandy, Mandy Moore. Moore. Mandy and, Moore. Like, and he's like, yeah, this is cool. I love disco. And I'm like, this is Mandy Moore. This is Mandy Moore. <laughs> we may have to do a special non-video soundtrack episode, which is just Katie ripping track by track, us just talking through it, her being shamefully uh, disappointed by every choice on the soundtrack. And we might have to like cut it in. We, we could definitely do bits and pieces, but we, I, I don't know. Uh, YouTube will certainly kick us off if we play the track. Yeah. So we might, we might have to just like do a separate audio one where we just take the whole soundtrack track for track. Everyone just YouTube Mandy Moore pennies in my pocket. <laughs> Okay, I, I feel like a crazy person. I'm like, Mandy Moore <laughs> sang the song, you guys. <laughs> this is guys. a Mandy Moore single. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and then they're like, anyway, it's, it, was, it was her like trying to be edgy and like not a teen pop star. Anyway, it's like, it's, it's deep in the Mandy lore. Um, and deep. so to have like a hardened- From deep like, within the Miami Vice lore. We are deep in the Mandy Moore law. The universes continue to collide on this show. Yeah. So like to have this hardened Colombian gangster drug dealer be like, I love disco. It's like Mandy Moore. You know what? You know what I, you know what I watched the other day, which, which also had, um, which in the theater and, our, our mutual friend Maria Lewis reminded me of this the other day was I watched the girl with the dragon tattoo, the David Fincher version with Daniel mm-hmm. Craig and Rudy Moore. And there's that amazing scene at the end of the movie where Stellan Skarsgård is discovered like Martin is discovered as this serial killer. And he's got, he's got Daniel Craig, like, like stra- strapped up in his, in his dungeon. And he walks over to play a track in his dungeon and he hits play and it's Bjork's sail away. Like, <laughs> and Maria told me at the, at the time, cause I don't know if I was not in that screening or for whatever reason I wasn't there. And she's like, I remember genuinely people just like losing it in the theater, like, like really serious dark movie. People lot like people's heads melted that he played Bjork sail away. Oh, and, like, I was wish into I'd... it. And, <laughs> and I, I just think maybe that's like, Maybe that's the that's a big like Michael Mann flex here. It's like I'm gonna put the toughest guy and I'm gonna get him to like be really into Mandy Moore covers in this. And if he's and if he can be the toughest guy in the world and like they call me Gochi Loco, it means crazy big. Like like if they get that guy to like Mandy Moore covers, then less. Like we're good. Well, so it's funny because I was listening to the director's commentary and he does address the song. Like he addresses every single song in the in the director's commentary. But he's like, yeah, this that's is That's why it's worthwhile if that's why it's worthwhile if you haven't got your hands on the director's commentary uh, the, the the director's definitive edition. Like even though Katie and I are both pretty much and Miami Nice, like a lot of the time we're going to be talking theatrical cut. Yes, Katie's holding yeah. it up on the video right now for folks who are listening. But like that is 
definitely a worthwhile purchase just for the director's commentary because it's really good. And especially the scenes that they add back in, there's one really particular one that I love between Ricardo and Trudy in a cafe together. They're talking. It's like, it's like probably one of the best scenes that was left out. There's this amazing commentary that's going through the whole thing. It's um, it's, it's, you know, Michael Mann commentaries are like tip top, but he does talk about all the tracks. Yeah. The commentary is, is really good. And that's where we, you know, we're pulling a lot of this stuff about his like, you know, deep research that he's done for, for the world that he's building um, or at least where I'm pulling it from. But um, he does address every single song and which is hilarious to me because I, I rip on the soundtrack so hard. Uh, I don't think he, I don't think he addresses the Lincoln park usage, but he does address um the nina simone song that comes the nina simone remix that comes right after that but anyway he's like yeah this song is like by emilio estefan and blah 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 and it's whatever and he's just sort of like but i'm like but it's you didn't say that it was mandy moore (laughs) (laughs) well maybe maybe he didn't like you know he probably didn't know he probably didn't know but i will say that the mandy moore song did come out in in 2001 (laughs) so there's plenty of time but it just, it, I just remember it so intensely because, you know, I was still in high school or, you know, about to graduate from high school and it was like, Mandy Moore's edgy now. So that song is just like, sort of like, in, 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 you know, imprinted on my brain. Um, and that's just me. That's just my context. It's not everyone else's context. It's not Michael <laughs> Mann's context. So, um, but maybe we can teach him, you know, about the Manny Moore single. But anyway, Listen, it's gonna, just very funny to me. This is, to a, like, this is an educational podcast, all right? Yes. And so if, if Mr. Mann, who, who I've spoken to and honored to chat to a couple of times, if he ever does listen, he'll know that, you know, one day I we just, just need to know. I, I need it on the record. <laughs> <laughs> we need it on the record that you may. And what I wouldn't put past it, though, because um, there's two really cool, um, two really cool interviews uh, a long time ago. I was like, um, Moby was talking about working with Michael Mann at the end of Heat, and then he ended up he's frequently collaborated with him since. And he talks about like Michael Mann at the time being like a huge physical media CD guy. Like he had like CDs after CDs after CDs. He poured through to find different tracks for projects he was working on, whether it's like a movie or a TV show, or whatever. Like he was a guy who was pretty connected, but. The, the famous story goes um, for the, like the classic last of the Mohicans theme, which eventually um, won, uh, won best score was that his wife found that popular Irish tune and said, I think this is the kind of thing you found. So I wouldn't be surprised. Like if it was his wife, maybe it could be one of his daughters, his wife yeah, who knows yeah, yeah. at the time, like they know the track and then they hear a cover of the track later on or like an original version and they go, yeah. Oh, this is really good. And it's got a completely different tone. And like, I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't put it past him to be recommended a track from someone that he knows or to have heard it and be like an earworm and go, is there a version of that? Cause I, I like how it sounds or whatever. So, you know, I think, I think that's another theory that can come out of this show today. Like my theory is that the trip is talking about Eddie Marsden <laughs> and your theory is that Michael Mann's, maybe his daughters, one of his daughters yeah. is like a Mandy Moore, huge fan, a Stan from 2001 from way back. And you know, it is what it is. And, you know, the, the fact is that, like, Emilio Estefan and Gloria Estefan are, like, iconic artists from Miami. So if you're making a movie about Miami, you don't have damn Estefan in it. Like, you're, you're trash. So put an <laughs> Estefan in your Miami movie. <laughs> I love that. They're, like, uh, they go to, the, like, the MPAA, and they're, like, there's no Estefan in this. It's called Miami Boss. <laughs> 
required. We're not, we're not writing it until you figure it out. Just turn it around and we'll figure it out when you guys. <laughs> yeah. when you guys He's just like, back. that one's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk more about, I think John Ortiz's accent is outstanding in this movie. Mm. Like, I think it's good. But like, yeah. I need, I need to know from you as like, as, as an American and as a local, especially like a Virgin Islander and like the interactions <laughs> that you would have and knowledge you would have of like Cuban American or South Americans yeah. that have come up into America. Like, is it, is it just like a complete clanger? Cause my Australian is, I'm like, there are some things that I'm like, that sounds a bit, that's a bit forced or it's put on. And maybe that's because many years of now watching him doing other stuff, but like most of it, I think is pretty good. Whereas Eddie Marsden, cause he's a pom cause he's British and I, mm. I can hear how different his standard accent is versus what he's like throwing out there in vice. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's bad. Like instantaneously, but my ear maybe is not as trained for like how, what he's doing with it. You know, I mean, I don't know that I can comment on like how authentic it is because uh, but yeah, I mean, it, like it's, it's consistent. It's good. The thing is, it is, it is bold. It is, um, yeah. like he is making, making choices. choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of choices I have been made. Um, a lot of choices were made and, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> but it kind of works and you enjoy, I enjoy it. Yeah. I like, like everything he says, I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm in because it's just it, it works with the character in, in it, and it it distinguishes him from the rest of the people in the you know it gives him a sense of like I don't I mean I he's from another place and so there's like yeah. a certain sense of like okay we're dealing with a totally different we're not dealing with the Aryan Brotherhood like you know trailer park guys like we're dealing with like a big operation that's in from another country and um he gives a sense of like yeah there's a sense of menace and a sense of like um toying a little bit like kind of like i don't know for some reason the accent like it's so over the top but it works um and he does pull it off and it's funny because it's like like, it's like the belief it's like he's so good at selling the way I try what to he's describe, supposed to be. Yeah, he's like selling it, but like the way I try and describe it is like, it's like you're applying for a job that he doesn't need you for. You know, like he right. automatically, he just kind of feels like, I don't need you. Like there's a right. hundred people lining up for this job. I don't need you. So that that attitude and then the, the people that surround him, this huge entourage, like, I don't need you. I don't need you. You guys are going to audition. And that's what the cool scene is where they're like, you know, business auditions for us like that's the great sort of counterpoint to that attitude but he's so cool that it like goes over the top and it like just sells you so well on that and i think it's just like part and parcel of he sells it and it might sound a bit like a clanger but then in the next second he's like sitting there smiling or looking at you like nodding at you and you're like ah this guy like he's not he kind of has to go along with the ruse, but he just knows instantaneously from the first time he meets him that something's wrong. And he keeps saying it. Like he even says that, that line, you're like, something is wrong. Something mm-hmm. is wrong about them. And so you kind of get it and he just crushes it. Yeah. And I, I love watching him and Jamie Foxx interact. Like um, Jamie Foxx is obviously not doing an accent, but like, there's like you said before, like there's like a certain like musicality to the way he deliver certain lines and and the way they sort of like threaten each other. And, um, I, you know, the scene where they first meet is so great and he's, you know, like, 
what's this Jackson Pollock line? He's like, <laughs> uh, it's not it's, a Jackson Pollock. Like, no, it's Jose Yero. Like they're doing this like little like routine almost that they've like, uh, that they've come up with. And, and, and Jose is like, I don't like the way your partner looks. And, and which, he just, you know, <laughs> everything that Jamie Foxx does, then he leans in. He's like, yeah. They lean in and then they're just like, they're going to that tent. Like, I just would die to know the relationship between John and Jamie. If they were like having fun or if they were. I bet they were having a ball. I bet they feel like they were because Jamie Foxx, like people forget is like, until this movie, it's his first leading Michael Mann role. Like he played Bundini in, in Ali. So he's like eighth fiddle. Like he's Mm -hmm. like, now that he's Academy Award winner, Jamie Foxx, you know, you could talk about it, but like he's like eighth fiddle in that movie and he's just literally playing a great supporting performance. And there's a couple of great scenes towards the end of the film where he's out, outstanding. Um, and then he goes into collateral and he's playing second fiddle to the biggest movie star in the world, Tom Cruise. And mm-hmm. again, gets an Oscar nomination for just crushing it in that performance as well. Oh, he was leading like, up. My favorites, yeah. yeah. He's just, oh, that collateral performance is so great. But so then now he's like leaning into it. So you feel like, I think that that's where Jamie Foxx has always been a, in my mind, that's where his best performances are. They're all where, you know, other than Ray, where it's like it's so heavily leaning on him. Um, other than Ray, like any performance where he's like bouncing off of someone, like yeah. the whole Christoph Waltz relationship in Django, like that is, that's where he just goes out of this world. And like, he's, le- yeah. he's bouncing off of Leo. He's bouncing off of Christoph, like, and a director's like, you are here to bounce off and they know exactly what they want from him. And like, that's where he just like kill, kills it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, in this role, I, I, I got to imagine like, cause he's talking to like someone who's succeeding him in being that guy that's in Michael Mann movies who delivers killer supporting performances. Like, Hey dude, I was you like a couple of years ago. Next yeah. you could be in the next Michael Mann movies, the lead who knows. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you can definitely tell that they're like, cause there's just such an electricity in those scenes between them. Um, and like Colin's great too, but like it's the John and Jamie like dynamic that really is like fun in that scene, which is, ugh, I just love that scene. Um, I was rewatching it right before we started where they're just going back and forth and talking shit. And, you know, he's like, you don't want to, he's like, I don't like the way your partner looks. He's like, you don't want to fuck him. Do you like, you don't want him to like, you know, carry your cocaine around. Like it's so, um, that is not, Uh, that is not the exact dialogue, but I actually might like it better. (laughs) Can't remember. No, you can take a, take a drink. (laughs) <laughs> now we have to jump from John Ortiz because we're going to come back and talk about Jose Giro. There's yeah. one other accent that I want to talk about before we finish this episode. And yeah, okay. it's a killer accent and it's such a weird character, like just top to bottom people of Michael Mann made some choices. The character's name is FBI agent Fujima, F-U-J-I-M-A played by none other than Irish acting legend, Liam Neeson's best bud from way back, Kieran Hines. Doing I, a middle American Chicago, maybe Washington-ish, like FBI accent, playing a guy named Fujima, which is a Japanese surname. Yeah. And it's a real cracker of an accent. Just, it's, it's, it's he's really, he's, he's making a choice. It's, 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 he's a guy who's been in a sack of things, but I'm just like, I so rarely see him doing his like natural accent. He's doing this kind of generic and weird accent. And 
there's a few moments where him and Colin Farrell like go head to head. He's like, my man got killed. And like, it's like, it's yeah. there's some actual energy where like, oh, you kind of get a taste of what the real flavor of his accent is um, in amongst that generic accent. But it's like, it's a weird one. He's making some, uh, he's made that whole, like you said, like that whole everything about that character is, is a mystery to me. It is <laughs> <laughs> when they're like referring, when they're like, yeah, it's Fujima. And then I see Kiara and Hines. I'm like, okay. Um, but <laughs> you know, listen, I mean, we don't know. Sure. We don't know. Uh, and, and, and I was like, he can, he can kind of play like anything in a way. Anything. Like he's sort of, he's sort he was of in like, that, um, what, what was it? Like he was in the Snyder, oh sorry, Joss Whedon, like Justice League, right? He plays that monster in it. I, I don't know what, he, he plays oh, the big bad guy. Oh yeah. Um, I'm going to have to have a look at it. Because what's that is, monster called? It's like. Ice Stormbreaker or something. I don't know. It's it's like it's like a weird. No, it's like it's like Iron Claw. I don't know. What it's what what? Steppenwolf. 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 Yes. Yours are better. Iron Claw is so much better. That movie sucks. And he's later yeah. in the Terror TV series, which is terrific. Um, and and uh, just for for parents at home, he he's the voice of like um, the the wise old rock troll in frozen just you know mm, mm-hmm. um but but yeah so he's he's been in so many things he's been in rome like he's in the hbo series rome he's in silence um yeah i love him i think i think he's an amazing actor i loved rome i stan rome yeah um, but he time. always plays like sort of like vaguely british like i feel like mm. you rarely hear his irish accent um yeah. but yeah, yeah. i can't remember i can't remember and he even plays like, yeah, it's always vaguely British. Like, like he's the he's Dumbledore's brother in the Harry Potters. He's in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but that's like yeah. vaguely British as well. I'm just trying to like go through. He's in in Bruges, he, he, like where he's uncredited as a priest. Um, he's in Lara Croft, The Cradle of Life, starring Angelina Jolie. Uh, so you know, he's got a his resume is like crazy. He's been in yeah, so he many always things, he always pops up and stuff. Um, yeah, he and you know, like he's in Game of Thrones. I think he plays a wildling in Game of Thrones. But um, yeah, I mean, I love Kieran Hines, and and you know, it's like all the casting of all the sort of minor, minor, minor characters is is so good. And you're just like, oh yay, um, John Ortiz, or and that's not a minor character at all. But you're like, oh great, John Hawks, or oh great, um, Kieran Hines, or whatever. But or oh great, Barry Shabaka Henley, who we love. But um, <laughs> the the accent the name the like i'm sure there's a reason for why <laughs> he's Fujima because there has to be a reason but like yeah and he, he I, everything about that character every time he's on screen i'm like what okay like, and also like i, don't, I mean i i think i don't know if it's like maybe he and colin farrell had a really good relationship because they have like they have great scenes where the whole point of the scene is for them to go is you know obviously fujima is like the first scene is like a passing of the torch yeah and and but other than the passing of the torch scene they've got to have a massive conflict and then barry shabaka henley and jamie fox's characters have got to cool everything like literally barry shabaka henley says he's like cool down like he's got to like take the edge off the scene they've got to do it and in that second scene where he's like where they're like we're taking it we're going to the next load and they're like no he's like you got to take these guys out 
that whole next scene, the whole point of it is like, let's have Colin Farrell have a fight with Kieran Hines. So two yeah. Irish guys, both like, you know, very kind of effortless, both tough guys. Like let's just throw them at each other and just see what happens and fireworks in this scene. And so it's such a banger of a scene because they like go at each other. But again, it's, you're trying to measure what this guy's doing with an accent. Usually when he's like at 11, he's like screaming at Colin, <laughs> Colin Farrell and then sort of angrily going, do it. And then just walking away. Like he's, you know, it's, it's one of those cool things where that's the choice that they're making in those moments. And I can't get enough of him, but like, it's the same as, it's the same as Aussies. There's a lot of Aussie actors that I'm so relieved when I actually get to, to see them do their accent again. Like Eric Banner, like there's a guy he did Chopper and people didn't, you know, people are like, Oh, he's amazing. And you're like, yeah, because he's super charming and he knows how to do like a really bogan. That's like white trash in Australian language. It's like a bogan accent. He knows how to do it. And he does that Chopper um, uh, impression as Mark Chopper Reed. And like, you never really see him again until kind of funny people playing like an exaggerated version of Eric Banner doing <laughs> yeah. an Australian accent. He's super charming. And like, he just bounces off the screen and you're like, Oh, he's amazing. But like, it's, it's, it's not the same. Like I think Colin Farrell's like one of those rare guys who you don't really even know that he's Irish and you don't see how much of an X factor it is until you see him play Irish. Like say even in the gentleman, which I know you're not a huge fan of. I like it, but like Colin Farrell's the best thing in the whole movie. Oh, I wish, I wish the whole movie was Colin Farrell. Like I <laughs> yeah. just wanted to see the movie that was Colin Farrell and, and his boys uh, and the boys and his boys. And like, I, I, that was my absolute favorite part of the whole movie. I was like, I just want the whole thing about the boxing ring. He was amazing. We like, need I matching Miami Nice Colin Farrell from the gentleman tracksuits. I'm yes. just going to go out there on a limb and just say that we need those tracksuits. But yeah, like I, I think that you look at him there and he's like charming the pants off of everything. Same with Charlie Hunnam. You see him doing his accent and you're like, oh, like there's some X factor that yeah. comes into it. But yeah, like, man, Kieran Hines is so, so badass here. I don't know what the choice was. I mean, obviously FBI has to have an American accent. It's not CIA right. or something like that. But yeah, like, it's just good to see him. It's like fun to see him in this moment, it's, but it's like a choice. It's fun to see him, but it's definitely like one of those things where you're just like, huh, okay. Uh, that was a okay. weird one, but <laughs> okay. like, it doesn't, it doesn't quite fit. I think the role or, or whatever, like the fact that he has a Japanese last name, but um you know, I mean, I love Kieran Hines. I love seeing him in anything that he's in. And, um, you know, well, it's already well got a, part. it's already got a nice eclectic multi background cast, which is good. Cause it's like yeah. in these movies, it's, it's a nice relief and a reprieve to be like, Oh, like it does. I think you put it best where you're like, it's so cool when Jose Euro comes in and John Ortiz is playing Jose Euro. And then like, we've got Archangel, um, Archangel de Jesus Montoya. I'm in there as well, but it's like the, the, the eclectic people like Louis Tozar plays him. It's, and the same happened in collateral when you see Javier Bardem just pop in for like 10 minutes and you're like, Whoa, it's so cool to actually see a a nice like spectrum of this is an, this is a truly international thing that's happening right now. And and Gong Li makes that happen too. Totally. And, and, and even um, the guy who plays the pimp in the very first scene it's like yeah. a hugely famous Nigerian actor. Yes, um, yes. And, and, you know, he's in the movie for 30 seconds or something. And, and his last other, know, one of his other big roles was in um, Casino Royale. Like he pops up in Casino Royale for like 10 yeah, seconds. He, he's like a legend in African cinema. <laughs> and you're just like, but it, 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 
the nice thing is that the cast is so interesting and accomplished that like even in these small little roles you're getting something interesting even if yes. it's a crazy ass accent eddie marzen you know even if it's eddie marzen doing colonel sanders like, like why is this happening to me why is this happening to me on this show but it's but it's fun you know so it, it's um <laughs> you're really nailing it Blake. <laughs> I, I that's the only line i have i've watched this movie as you know so many times and i deeply love that and so so it's it's like there's, there are certain lines where someone actually is like being a bit woe is me if anyone ever around me said why is this happening to me I, immediately i'd be like a parrot i'd be like why is this happening to me why is this happening to me i just immediately i wouldn't be able to help myself yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I love him. I, you know, this is what Miami nice is all about. We're going to sit yeah. here and we're going to spend like 40 minutes to an hour often under the influence of mojitos <laughs> unpacking something. But at the end, we're just going to say unequivocally, I love it. I love it's it. It's good. We it's love good. it. It's good. I'm into it. I can criticize. Yeah. All, but let's what, like, it's just like criticizing someone you love in your family. <laughs> like exactly. you love them. You love exactly. them. You love, like, you love Eddie Marzen. I I can make fun of of Eddie and 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 Kieran. You know, I I mean, I don't want to, but like, I can kind of <laughs> what the fuck is going on there, and still be like, yeah, I loved it. It was great. So yeah, totally. So th that is exactly right. Well, I think that's a perfect way to go out. We made some right. choices. They made some choices. We we made some choices. <laughs> we made some choices and some theories. And we'll and see you theories. next. I love a theory. We have to we're have getting, theories every week. <laughs> we get more theories. Um, some will be spontaneous theories like that one because I literally watched the trip like not so long ago. So I'm like, man, I wonder because I kept wondering like, why did they do that? Like, what's the joke? I was like, what's yeah, the joke? Because yeah. the joke has to be at the expense a little bit of someone who they love because they love mm -hmm. Michael Mann movie. Like, they love Pacino. They love De Niro. They love Michael Mann, like these guys. So who's the joke? Oh, it must be Eddie Marsden. They know Eddie Marsden. So um, we're going to catch you on the next episode. Uh, yeah. We don't, we, we're just going to go with where the mojitos take us on this show. So thank you so <laughs> we much. Don't for we don't know. We don't know. We don't know where we have like five options for what next week's episode could be. <laughs> and we're equally excited about all of the five options. We've already decided. Um, yeah. And it may even be because I think Katie might need to get it out. We may need to like, just do like a five minute, video catch up for you guys to watch and then we have to talk about the soundtrack and just do a special like like you know needle drop laden episode of the show that has a commentary on each of those choices um so that we can get it out of our system okay yeah i mean i'm gonna keep bringing it up i'm sorry but i will <laughs> it's like yeah cool let's do the soundtrack episode but if you think i'm not going to talk about the audacity <laughs> of the needle drop you're you're, you're you're sorely mistaken <laughs> 